and welcome to Date Night at the Movies. Or How I Spent My Babysitter Money. I'm Jess. I'm Jordan. And this week we are talking Avengers, Avengers Endgame. Endgame. We made it, everyone. We made it. <laughs> we made it. Now. End of the line. Yeah. So this is the culmination of 11 years and 22 movies. That's insane. That is insane. And then it is a culmination. Yeah. And the... In the best possible way, I think. Yes. Um, we, I think, so we need to start off with some housekeeping. One thing I will say. Yes. And I'm saying this now. I'm so ready. nobody can get mad. This whole episode is Spoiler City, guys. The, yes. Also, may I add, this is Game of Thrones and Endgame Spoiler City. Yes. Because. I, I was thinking the same thing the whole time through the movie. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yes. Um, let's. Needless to say, if you're listening to this in real time, if you're listening to us in the future, you'll know all this already. Um, but if you are listening to this after opening weekend, so we've we've survived opening weekend, mm-hmm. and Jordan had some spoilers, which we'll talk about. Um, yeah, they they were right, by the way. No, yeah. you'll, you'll have to tell me what they were in a minute. But let's get through our basic housekeeping. Um, and if you are like, oh no, I've seen Endgame, but I've not seen Game of Thrones, and you watch, this is the time to make sure you have caught our Avengers pre-game episode where we talk about all of the Avengers movies except for Ant-Man and the Wasp. Right. We, talk, we mentioned it, but... Neither of us has seen That's it. the only one that I have not seen. That's pretty impressive. It's pr- You get a nerd award. I do get a nerd award. <laughs> no, I, again, we don't want to spoil this movie for anybody. Again, this, this is something that is unprecedented in film history. Even movie series that have gone on for 50 years like James Bond. You know, they're still on mostly a movie by movie basis. Right. Well, because if you think about it, like, it's also like when you think of Pierce Brosnan. That's his line. Right. Which is what, four or five movies long? Mm-hmm. Daniel Craig. Like, Daniel Craig's movies have nothing to do with. The Roger Moore movies. Nothing. Except that Spectre remade a lot of stuff that was in the Roger Moore movies. Yeah, but Spectre was far better. But yeah, I think you're right. Uh, you know, like, you know, there's the Roger Moore James Bond, there's the Daniel Craig James Bond. This is different, though. And I really don't want to spoil this for anybody because if you've taken the time and patience and you've given Marvel as much money 11 years of your life. Yeah. I do not want to spoil this for you. So I am saying all that to say there's no way to talk about this movie without getting into spoilers. Even the previews only really show what happens in the first, except with a couple of shots that I caught in the end of the movie or towards the middle of the movie only shows what happens like in the first 20 minutes, half hour of this movie. So there is no way to talk about this movie without spoilers. Spoiler, 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 spoiler. Do not listen to this episode if you haven't seen Avengers Endgame. And if you are a Game of Thrones fan and you haven't seen the most recent uh, episode, which is The Long Night, I believe it's called, uh, episode 70, don't listen to that either. Otherwise, nah. strap in. Strap in. Again, Game of Thrones, The Dark Knight. Is that correct? The Long Night. The Long Night, Dark Knight. Good Lord. We are in super superhero zone right now. Yeah. Um, because we happen, if this is in real time, that episode of Game of Thrones 
as well as Endgame were all in the same weekend. And you're talking about some culmination of some nerdiness. Oh, yeah. And Game of Thrones is on season eight, but this is like year nine or ten. Yeah, they skipped a year. Yeah. Well, because these things take 10,000 years. Well, and especially after last night's episode. Which had to have taken a month to film. Exactly. Had to have. It was like feature film worthy. Like, it's insane. Um, So, um, again, please visit pregame if you haven't, because Endgame is starting, and I'm with Jordan. This, This... and if you've listened to my opinions about Infinity War, I've I have said that it is Fantastic Beasts, meaning Crimes of Grindelwald was not a good movie, except for I liked it, but it all depends on the next. Right. Infinity War, I don't like all that much. Overall, we re- 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 rewatched it, which you can visit, you can hear our thoughts in pregame. But I have said multiple times, it all depends on Endgame. And I'm telling you right now, Infinity War is justified. Yes. And I don't want to ruin it for you. So please make sure you've watched Game of Thrones, if you watch, and Endgame before proceeding. If you don't give a crap, welcome to Date Night at the Movies. And here we go. Yeah. So you've you, been warned. You have been warned, and from here on out, like we're not going out of our way to be like, okay, here are all the spoilery things that happened, but we're not going to catch ourselves on it at this point. Correct. Yeah. So you've been warned, and otherwise, let's strap in. Strap in, buckle up. Some of our um, housekeeping drink of the podcast. I've made a pink drink. Is it, this a creation of your own? Yeah. Nice. Um, this, everyone, is over ice, so over rocks. We have, it's super fruity, but it's pink. So it's nice and light. Yeah. <laughs> Not like this movie was. Um, it is mango vodka. It is hard strawberry lemonade made with real cane sugar. None of that corn syrup crap. That's not very good. And grapefruit flavored seltzer water. What would you call this drink? The Avenge. You're calling it the Avenge? No, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. What would you call it? I don't know. I mean, it's fruity and light and kind of fun. Yeah. I the mean, opposite it, of this movie. It would be the perfect movie if we were doing uh, one of the Guardians or Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Or the but perfect drink. It also just felt like um, this was a he- this is a heavy one. Mm-hmm. Um, they really made the stinks matter in Endgame. Yeah. So um, I kind of thought something, I wanted something red. Uh-huh. Because um, if you think Avengers, you think red. Yeah. Albeit Iron Man is the cornerstone of all of this mm-hmm. like we talk in pregame and I mean this all started with John Favreau yeah um so I definitely wanted to make it red but Captain Marvel I looked at Jordan about a quarter way through the movie and I went you know if this became Captain Marvel 2 I wouldn't be that mad yeah I was thinking you should call it a Danvers <gasps> a Danvers uh-huh. all right we'll call I, it I mean a- she's not very like she's not very like pink and fruity as a character but no but she's but she's light and she flies and she's made of fire. So And there's a lot of trippy colors whenever she flies. A, a, yes. So we'll call it a Danvers. So it's kind of fruity, kind of light, but it's also, it's kind of, I feel like we needed to pick me up. Yeah, I think so too. I this th- was a heavy movie. It, it was. And I think, you know, and of course you guys have definitely heard us discuss Infinity War a lot on this podcast. Uh, I didn't have the same feelings of animosity towards it like Jessica did. 
Uh, but I will say that I agree with her, and any problems that I had with Infinity War, uh, Endgame totally justifies. Yes, and they definitely have to go together. I think Infinity War as a standalone is not nearly as fun. I don't think so either. Now, remember, Infinity War is like two and a half hours, and Endgame is three hours and one minute long. Woo! Yeah, Oof. it was something to sit through. But you know what? I never found myself thinking it was too long. I didn't. Yeah. And that, and I, you know, I've gone on the record saying that when I think a movie's too long, I think it's too long. Yeah, it's like, I remember I went and saw uh, Sin City, A Dame to Kill For. And I'm, I really like the original Sin City uh, with the Robert Rodriguez one. And so I was waiting for the sequel for like almost 10 years. And I finally went and saw it. And I've never checked my watch slash phone so often <laughs> in a movie filled with shootouts and fully frontal naked women as I did when I saw <laughs> Sin City and Dame to Kill For. Like, Eva Green was skinny dipping in a pool, and I'm just like, when's this movie over? <laughs> yeah, it's not good. <laughs> yeah, it take, that takes a lot. <laughs> totally fair. Gosh, I'm nervous to talk about this. I don't think we should be. You know, I think... I think this is all right. So we we rewatched Infinity War uh, a couple days ago, right? Because we really wanted to make sure that we were that we were ready ready for this. <laughs> uh, and I still I still liked it. Now I saw Infinity War by myself in the theater after we had seen it together. That's right. And I still liked it then. Um, but you know, we both said, you know, Endgame's got to really justify this. Yeah. And Endgame has to really bring its A game. And game, 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 game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. And I really think that it did. One thing that we said is that Endgame, where Endgame will fail is if they don't make the consequences matter. Yes. And even with Endgame doing what it is, like the whole point of it is they're trying to undo the snap. Right. And I think that even with the undoing of the snap, they still made consequences matter. And that's where it had to. With all of, we all know that there's more Marvel coming. Mm-hmm. We say, you know, we say that Endgame is the end of the line. You know, I don't, there's not another Avengers movie. Yeah. Um, With the, the original Avengers, which they've got to let it be. Like, yeah, let I, it I, lie. I really, really hope they don't retcon that. Yeah. I really hope they keep, they keep, the ending of these particular characters as it is. Yes. Yes. And it's okay for it to grow and metamorphosize and, and whatever it becomes, Mm. but like we just need to keep making new things. Yeah. I I hope they keep moving forward. And if there are certain characters that show back up again, I hope it's some way where it's like, you know, revisiting a past recording or something like that, you know, as opposed to bringing them back into the fold. Agreed. I agree. Where do we start? Shall we start at the beginning? I suppose we should. Um, um, uh, so I loved the way this movie picked up. I agree. Um, it picks up three... Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. <laughs> We've already said it. I, I've got to just stop saying it. I think I'm with you, though. I see why you're nervous to talk about it. Um, but we're, we just got to rip the Band-Aid off. Here we go. So they Say start it. off. Yeah, they start off three weeks after the snap. Right, and and Iron Man is still yeah. up in the in the ether. I, yeah, <laughs> Iron Man is still, 
he is still basically out of gas in space with Nebula. Um, and then after a little bit of happenings, uh, Captain Marvel comes and rescues him and brings him back to Earth. Uh, the surviving Avengers figure out how to pinpoint where Thanos is. You find out because Thanos had destroyed the Infinity Stones and they can't undo what he did. Right. And Which, then... thank God. Yeah. Because all I could see was we... I just basically saw Infinity War 2 in which, okay, now we just got to go get Thanos and we get the team together and go track down Thanos and redo the snap. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah, undo the snap. No, I meant redo. Oh, oh, oh. I meant it. All right, all right, I see what you mean. Yeah. I meant it. Um... And also, like I just, I just saw this calamity with getting the gauntlet. Yeah. The fact that they had Thor cut his head off. Yeah. Was like, now what? Yeah, and that shot of him walking out of the cabin after he cut his head off. Because, you know, we've had this discussion plenty of times. You know, a lot of people are like, you know, Thor messed up the end of Infinity War because he didn't go for the head. And Will screwed it up. Yeah, really, Star-Lord did. Star-Lord's the worst. But you know what? Thor doesn't know that. As far as Thor knows, he's the only one who had the opportunity to kill Thanos. True. So Thor's arc in this I really liked. I did too. And and Chris Hemsworth, man, he's so good. I will say I don't like the... So... Whenever I saw Fat Thor, yeah, all I could think of was "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia." Yeah. Wouldn't it be hilarious if Mac was fat? Yeah, I know, I, I know what you mean, and the fact that he kept just like kind of showing up, like looking like a biker. No, they made him the dude. Yeah, they called him Lebowski. Yeah, multiple times, and I didn't like that. They could make him depressing. They could make him the worst. Mm-hmm. And that was fine. And not that you have to have a perfect physique to be a superhero. That's not what I'm saying. But they made, they continued in the Ragnarok thing. And one thing, and again, remember Spoiler City. Um, we now, we to flash forward to make my point, we now have Thor as part of the Guardians. The Asgardians of the Galaxy. Yes, the Asgardians of the Galaxy, which that had started in Ragnarok. So we're not... Mm-hmm. It's not, I'm not breaking this all together. I am so unexcited about that because I just don't buy this Thor. I love Chris Hemsworth as Thor, but after the, you know, the dark world and after Ragnarok, and now that it's going to be like Thor guardians, I am not excited and I don't like what they decided to do. And it just made me feel like fat Thor. Fat old man, <laughs> fat, fat old, old man. man. That's all it made me think, and it just was really distracting, and it made fun of his severe grief yeah, in a way of a weight fluctuation, and I don't like that. Well, and as somebody who goes through weight fluctuations and might have a body very similar to Fat Thor right now, <laughs> I took I took umbrage. <laughs> um no, I, I totally get what you're saying, and I do agree. Where I'm mostly talking about Chris Hemsworth as Thor is so part of the crux of this movie, after him beheading Thanos happens in the first 15 minutes of the movie. It's insane. Yeah. And at that point, you're like, okay, I know I know time travel is going to be a part of it because they're gonna the whole movie is going to be about trying to undo things, and you just know that's what's going to happen. But I had no idea how they were going to get from point A to point B. I really didn't either. I 
I, the fact that they got to Thanos so quickly, mm-hmm. um, when they were going to the garden to go get him, yeah. I didn't think he would be there, and he was. Yeah. And that, I will say, um, I, that's what was my greatest fear. I didn't lose sleep over it, but from Infinity War, I just was like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. This is we're going to take an easy way out and we're going to just be going to be battle, battle, battle. Well, and it's going to be what we thought. What and I like there is that, you know, one thing that uh, one of the Russo brothers, the director said is that basically after Infinity War, Thanos is just retired. He's just done. Right. And so at that point, Thor basically just killed a weak old man. Right. Which is, especially like you said, after he destroys the Infinity Stones, which is a terrifying thought. Yeah. And everybody's reaction when he says that, like, there's just so much despair and and everything that happens in that room. Yeah. It's just amazing. And then when he beheads him, um, it was also interesting, because we all, at this point, uh, we all know the thing is utter baloney that he loves Gamora, blah, blah, blah. But the connection with Nebula and him in that mm-hmm. scene was, was to behold. Yeah. Now... I need to continue my thought on uh, what I meant about Chris, loving Chris Hemsworth as Thor. Yes, please. Before we do that, though, we have not rated this movie. Talk about Thor, and then we'll rate it. Okay. I don't want you to forget it. All right. So so the whole crux of this movie is that they basically have to what Ant, do what Ant-Man calls a time heist. Yes. And they basically all have to travel in time in different places, revisiting parts of the Marvel Universe that we've already seen, very Back to the Future too, which they reference the hell out of in this movie. Which, if they didn't, we'd all be mad. Yeah. So I'm really glad that they were like, Back oh, to, to the Future doesn't work. Totally. <laughs> um, but like, uh, Thor goes back to the day before his mother Freya dies. No, same day. Same day, yeah. Same day. Uh, and him dealing with that and trying to avoid getting the in getting the essence of the infinity stone yeah uh yeah to me to me him dealing with that and then talking to his mother and his mother just knowing everything that's going on and being like just cool with it and being like no my my son needs me right now I forgot how cool Rene Russo was. Yeah. Which makes Dark World not suck so bad. Yeah. You she know? was she was definitely one of the brighter parts of Dark World. Yes. Um but but basically him struggling with that, like not only him struggling with the fact that he's not allowed to save his mother because they're not allowed to change anything except for getting the stones. Right, and again, at the end, Captain America has to return them yeah. from that moment. Um, but, but not only is he struggling with the fact that, you know, his mother's going to die later that day and he can't save her. He's also struggling with the fact that he d- he couldn't stop Thanos. And he really struggles with that in this movie. Yeah. Uh, but also, like, they, and they never really talk about it, but, like, it's him struggling with the fact that he basically just killed a defenseless old man whenever yeah. he killed Thanos. And whenever he tries for the hammer and then gets it and he's like, I'm still worthy. Because, you know, the whole thing is like only those who are worthy of the hammer can wield it. Yeah. And the hope that that gives him, I thought that was a really great character arc. Yeah. And I kind of, that's kind of what was fun about going back to the future for these things. Um, It was fun to revisit our old friends where they were. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. We I get, thought that was really interesting. We get to revisit uh, Rene Russo as Freya. 
Mm-hmm. We get to revisit Robert Redford as the director of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I think is great. Because Robert great. Redford was great in that movie. Also, when you think of that movie, and we talked about this in pregame, we find out at the end of that movie they're all Hydra. Yeah. But we go into the flashback knowing that. Yeah. And the way that the way that they use that to their advantage as well. Great. Yeah. Um, no, this, this movie, I really liked it. What would you rate this movie? I'm going to give it a four. Oh, out of what? What oh, are we rating it at? Let's just do Infinity Gauntlets. I so I had an idea. All right, let's do it out of six stones. Okay. So we're changing the rules. So for those of you who are joining us for Endgame, we usually do out of five somethings. Mm-hmm. It's usually rated based out of five somethings, but changing the rules just for Endgame because there are six stones. So you get the rated out of six, which would change mine. To five out of six stones. I'm going to give this five out of six stones as well. Okay. I, I think that would probably, for me, if we were going to go back to the out of five rating, it would probably be closer to a four and a half for me. Oh, okay. Um, I th- Mine still would be four gauntlets. Yeah, but but yeah, five stones. Uh, mostly because you can't split the infinity stones. Oh! <laughs> anyway. You can, but at a great cost. Uh, yeah, I like you too much. <laughs> Why me? <laughs> <laughs> Because if if I had to go to get the soul stone, you would have to be the thing I'd have to sacrifice. I just wouldn't get the soul stone. Aww. Look at that. Marriage. Marriage is what brings us together today. Um, uh, also, another housekeeping thing before we continue. We have no dog at the podcast. No, not currently. They have both been dogging out in the backyard. They're very busy. It's a beautiful day yeah. here yeah. in the great state of Georgia. And I mean, guys, we've honestly been down here for like two hours at this point recording. <laughs> no, there's... We, we did the pregame. Uh, we did the pregame immediately before recording this yes. one. Yes. Um, no, no yeah. so I would say this is probably one of the best Marvel movies they've made. I would, here's what I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. This is one of the best Avengers. This is the best Avengers movie. Okay. Um, because, go, especially pre-gaming it. Uh, Remembering how much we actually liked all the other Marvel movies? Before we got to like Civil War. Yeah. Like pre-Civil War MCU is something kind of to behold. How many times they did a movie that kind of rewrote things. And that's not to say post-Civil War doesn't matter because obviously we've got Black Panther, we've got Captain Marvel, we've got really major choices. Mm -hmm. But those pre-Civil War um, parts of the universe opened up the success that they could make a wide mass market of a black male leading a movie with a mainly black cast and a female at the helm without a love interest. Like we, without those first movies, it would not have been the blockbusters. So, so many people we'd have, you know, Oscar nominated and Oscar winning black Panther. Yeah. Right. So we have, there's something to be, to behold. So I wouldn't say this is necessarily the best, especially because it's infinity war two. It's an Avengers movie. Very specifically. Um, but it, it made choices that I really liked mm-hmm. and I really, I liked how Ant-Man made the difference. Yeah. Especially cause Ant-Man's always been kind of in, in Marvel history in general, he's always been kind of the joke superhero. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, well, I he, mean, they, uh, so many people were like, Dr. Strange saw 14 million yeah. 14 million outcomes. And they were like, you know, Ant-Man flying Thanos' butt at some point. 
we're family friendly, so I'm going to use the butt. Mm-hmm. Um, and becoming big again was at least a couple of those outcomes. Yeah. You know, the fact that people said that specifically about Ant-Man says something about Ant-Man. Yeah. Um, well, and like, I, I did like how they kind of helped put him front and center because, yes. uh, yeah, because Ant-Man never really gets his due. Uh, yeah. Just in terms of like the zeitgeist. Yeah. And I really like Paul Rudd as Ant-Man. Well, and Paul Rudd has all the makings of a leading man. Mm-hmm. And they had lots of leading men and women in this movie. I loved the moment between Scott Lang and his daughter whenever he finds out that she survived. I saw you lose your cool. Mm-hmm. And that was awesome. Yeah. Everyone, if something makes you lose your cool, mm-hmm. it's deserving. Yeah. And... I thought it was so powerful. He was looking for Hope's name. Yeah. And then he sees his name. Yeah. But the fact that he sees his name means that his daughter is okay. Yeah. And he runs home. And it was just just a really cool moment. And I love how this whole cockamamie scheme was his. Yeah. Um, um, and I just think that was cool. I also really liked that finally, finally, the man drama of Civil War fixed. Yeah. It was too long. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was too long. Um, but in a way, it was perfect timing. hmm Well, I think, so, Iron Man and Captain America... Iron Man, Captain America, and Thor were the ones who really kicked off the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Correct. They each got a really great arc in this movie. Yes. And I think... I'm with you. I think the Civil War drama went on a little too long. Yes. But I think... I think that the way they resolved it didn't... To me, it didn't feel like, finally, it felt like, oh, this feels right. It felt right. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. It didn't feel like you had to collapse in a chair with a heaping sigh. It was okay, good. And it was done right. And it felt worth the wait. Yeah. And it wasn't done in a way where it's like, well, everything's okay now. Like it literally takes them five years to be able to stand to look at each other. Well, there was a lot to recover. Yeah. Well, Um, but I'm, what I'm saying is I'm glad they didn't sugarcoat that part of it. Yes. They did not um, sugarcoat this movie. No, and th- and if they did, it would have sucked. Yeah. Can I also add Black Widow into the arc, mm-hmm. um, as well as the Hulk? Because when we talk original Avengers, yeah. we have Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, the Hulk, Black Widow, and we and Hawkeye. Yeah. What, just for the record, what I meant was the individual movies that started it. Oh, okay. Yeah. But... When we talk original Avengers, one of the things that made me like about Infinity War is the original Avengers all survived. And mm-hmm. I immediately had all, I questioned the validity of that choice really, really hard. Yeah. And the fact that it was for good cause and it ended up being a great choice mm-hmm. with consequences that. That with consequences, because one thing that superhero movies really love to do is that there's no consequences. Right. Thus, there's all these jokes about like, uh, for example, Man of Steel mm-hmm. destroyed so much and just that's how it was. 
Yeah, and and again, that's where my defense of Batman v Superman comes in because the first twenty minutes of that movie deals with that in such a great way. So when we're talking about all of this destruction, so many times in these superhero movies, it doesn't matter, right? And Jordan, you've said multiple times that one thing that's so great about a superhero movie, and we've talked about that a lot just this week, that what a superhero movie can teach our young audiences, mm-hmm. uh, what we hope teaches our young audiences, and more why also it's so incredibly important that visibility to see or be able to see yourself on screen. There was a reason I lost my cool in Captain Marvel. Yeah. Because I finally got to see me mm-hmm. on screen. Mm-hmm. Except blonde. Maybe yeah. I'll be blonde one day. Uh, um, your your hair will never be that straight. Girl, no. <laughs> um, but there were consequences. And I think we should, we'll talk about that a little bit as we go. But there were, there were massive stakes and they made them, and made them really matter. Yeah, they, they really did. And it was in a way that you didn't necessarily expect. Because let's yeah. face it, anytime there's a cliffhanger movie that you know is going to be followed by a sequel immediately after, all you think about, if you think about that movie, is how are they going to fix this? Or how are they going to come off the cliffhanger? And, you know, everybody, people who were pontificating on this upcoming Avengers movie, they all mentioned time travel. Most people were going straight to, oh, they're going to use the Infinity Stones. The fact that they took that away from you and made you have to made you have to figure out how they were going to do it. Yes. Um, and apparently that was set up in Ant-Man and the Wasp, which we didn't see. We are the worst. Um, but from what I understand, though, because like I already know, I going into it, I wanted to look up and see what I was missing out of there because I just don't have time to watch that movie right now. Yeah. Uh, and I see what they did. It's only like one or two lines that they kind of set the possibility, but they still set the possibility in there, you know? Okay. Uh, and of basically Ant-Man being able to be the crux of this plan to to undo everything that was done. Right. Um, but on the flip side at the end of Ant-Man and the Wasp, what we do know is he's stuck in the quantum. Right. So as far as any of us are concerned, he's stuck. And it's yeah. only by happen chance with the fat rat. Yeah. That he comes back. Exactly. Um, which it had to happen, right? Cause mm-hmm. in order for a movie to move forward, things have to happen and happenstance is right. part of that. Yeah. Um, but I do love that continually throughout this entire movie, they knew from Doctor Strange that there was a one in 14 million, something yeah. like that, chance of what there was one chance. Yeah. And many, many, the odds were against them. And that was really great to know because obviously, because it's a movie, we know they're going to find at hopefully at least close to the one chance. Yeah. Um, but that really stuck with Tony. Mm-hmm. And what I love, what I love most about this movie is Tony Stark. Yeah. And I say that because Tony Stark had a life that all of us, when we think of the first Iron Man, we look at the t- life of Tony Stark as enviable. Mm-hmm. And it turns out to be really, really crappy. Mm-hmm. Like for him to change, for Tony Stark to change, he had to be like, he had to be kidnapped with the movie version of ISIS. Yeah, he had to be kidnapped by problematic terrorists in the late 2000s. Right. Yeah. Which at the, at the time, we were all like, that's real. Yeah. So, the fact that that's what it took for Tony Stark to even start being remotely a good person mm-hmm. means he had a big comeback. Yeah. 
to the fact that he goes from saving the world time and time again and having the severe PTSD of of to to the of their version of 9/11 mm-hmm. 2012. Yeah. They had their 2012 and he really invests in his relationship with Pepper that he finds a life really worth fighting for. Mm-hmm. And that you think because he's Tony Stark, he he's not going to give that up because he doesn't give things up very easily. Yeah. And his arc in this was something to behold. Yeah. Well, and I like they set up the they set up his his character's arc very well earlier in the movies. Like, you know, the whole point of like civil war is that he was just like, how many people died whenever Ultron took over that town in the, in Eastern Europe? We can't let that happen again. How many people died in New York? We have to do something to, to well, he stop wanted that. a shield over the, over the world. Yeah. Um, so the fact that like he stumbles upon time travel after talking with everybody And like he's talking with Pepper and basically like he she knows that he can't let it go because that's what he's been obsessing over for the longest time. Yeah. And they really set it up that he's like, no, I have to do the right thing here. Yeah. I think that's great. Now, I will say I was judgy a little bit when they pulled up to the cabin because, you know, my feelings on pulling somebody out of retirement when they're in a cabin in the woods somewhere. I know. I rolled my eyes just a little bit. That's the only time that happened in this movie, though. Yay. Yay. Um. I will say I feel that Pepper was extremely misused in this movie. I don't like it at all. Yeah. You, I felt like it was a money issue. She really wasn't in any of the scenes with the daughter mm-hmm. and Tony. Yeah. Which didn't help to help us really root us in the needs of this movie and the, and the risk. Yeah. For a lot of the movie, it was almost like Tony was being a single dad. Yeah. We don't even hear Pepper. Yeah. He just, he talks about her. She Uh, mentions once, she's like, mom told me to come rescue you. Well, that, and he talks about like, your mother doesn't wear anything I ever get her. Yeah. You need to go to bed. Like things like this. These are all valid things, but we didn't get to see a lot of relationship building. No, we didn't see if we didn't see them as a family unit. No. And I, I didn't like that, especially because we, you know, it, that's kind of the one of the reasons he was really hesitant in Infinity War. And they get married, and we know this. And we know that Tony is like, I'm not going back unless it's worth it. Yeah. Right? Because at the beginning of Infinity War, he talks about them having, he sees them having children. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, apparently, whenever he was heading into space and he was talking to her in Infinity War, uh, I didn't notice this at the time. But apparently, as like the signal cuts out, she says, "Tony, you're going to be," a, and then it cuts out. Oh yes, I remember that. Yeah, so so they definitely laid that track. But I, I'm with you. I don't think that was handled great. Yes, and a flash forward. So, so specifically talking about Pepper, I want to get this out of the way because I think we have a lot of good things to say. Yeah. What in the hay was she doing in the battle? I was trying to remember as hard as I could them ever setting up that Pepper was an iron Yeah, so all of a sudden person. there was this like blue iron girl, and I was like, what the, who are you? So, in my thinking back on things, Tony had put her in, in an Iron Man suit in Iron Man 3 whenever the terrorist attacked his house in California. And he just like sent her, sent, sent her away. Yeah, but 
they never mention once her ever having like trained to use the suit to be able to pull off all the stuff that she pulls off. Now in this she's movie. a smart cookie. Don't get me wrong. Yes, and she runs Stark Industries like a like you know a boss lady that she is. Yeah, I, but that is a moment where you have to assume something about the character that they that they just show you, and to me, it was a little distracting. Yes, because there's also at the very final battle and and. There's this like moment where they have all the women like catwalking mm-hmm. to go destroy some bad bad dudes. I'm all about that, and yeah. I thought it was cool. It did not. I didn't love it because I was like, okay. That's what I was going to ask you about, and I had mentioned it in uh, pregame. Is in that scene, like to me, I was wondering, like to me, what I felt is that to a little girl, that would be super empowering. But to a woman, it's just like, oh, they're pandering. It felt pandering. Okay. Now, to, I loved seeing all of them and seeing Letitia Wright get back in, in there. Exactly. Be, yeah. Well, but see, what was more powerful to me is Black Panther didn't show up with a bunch of dudes. Yeah. He showed up with his boss bitches. Oh, man, Black Panther coming out of there the first time, so powerful. It's so powerful. But he again, he didn't just show up. Yeah. He showed up with his ladies. Yeah. He showed up with the he showed up with the people who were gonna make a difference. Mm-hmm. It when the wasp showed up, when when all of these people show up, and they happen to be a lot of women. Yeah, and that Captain Marvel it comes in to make the difference. Mm-hmm. That mattered to me. Yeah, but when they had them all like. Like, here's a woman, here's a woman, here's a woman, here's a woman, here's a woman. I was like, I can see their gender. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. These are all heterosexual women right now. Thank you. I, it just point, it made me go, oh, it's because it took you this long. Yeah. That's what it felt like to me. Mm-hmm. And it took me out of the moment as opposed to, again, when Chadwick Boseman comes in as Black Panther after they done the second snap. And it was his boss ladies that showed up with him. That got me. Yeah. It got me when we see hero after hero after hero returning. Mm-hmm. And it got me. Yeah. That got me. So when they took that moment, I was, it took me out. Now that's not to say for those who were just like, yeah, get it. It's not valid. Because if it fired you up, it fired you up, but it deal, did feel extremely pandering, and it's because it took them this long to write women in. Now, here's what I wonder, and this is all just speculation on me. Sure, sure. If that was maybe almost a way of them admitting that like it took them that long. like Maybe that was a statement of, we are going to try and do better from here on. Then it, what that says to me, it was, it was obviously directed by white dudes. Oh, totally. That moment was so obviously directed by white dudes because they thought that was the answer mm-hmm. as opposed to letting the women show up and be heroes that they are yeah. be enough. Yeah. They needed to put they needed a semicolon in there when the Oxford comma was just enough. I that is probably the geekiest thing that's been said on the show and we're talking about <laughs> a Marvel right now. I'm secretly <laughs> judging everyone's grammar at any given point. Yeah. Now, what I will say on that moment, though, is I loved how they still treated Captain Marvel because it was never about gender. It was just about Captain Marvel's the most powerful being in the universe. I know. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, Because we are recording this in the middle of another episode, I can't see how long we've actually been going. Is it time for a break? I think we should take a break. Like, we could probably just keep on organically talking, but let's just take a quick break. So, for those of you who are joining us for the first time for Endgame... 
Um, usually it's designed so you can listen to the first part on the way to the theater. Obviously, this is Spoiler City. So hang tight, stretch, touch your toes, drink some water, or go back to the beginning of the podcast, make a drink, and we'll see you right after the break. Have you ever looked at all those Insta celebrities and been like, where do you get your raw jewelry because it's gorgeous? Or where did you get that female empowerment shirt because I need one? But then you think to yourself, I don't want to go shopping because it's too selfish. What if I could tell you you could get awesome apparel, awesome jewelry, and it gives back? You need to check out Rock's Jewelry Shop. That's right, Rock's. R-O-X. Rock's Jewelry Shop has amazing jewelry, and I just got a shirt that says, those females are strong as hell. Thank you, Kimmy Schmidt. You can check out Rock's Jewelry Shop online, and with code DATENIGHT, you'll get 15% off. So head on over to Rock's, R-O-X, Jewelry Shop.com, code DATENIGHT for 15% off. And we are back talking Avengers Endgame. Woo-hoo-hoo. Yeah. So uh, we're... We've actually structured this to where we are just about to start talking about just things that we like from here on. Yes. Um, I do want to mention one more thing that I don't love in this and in Infinity War. Yeah, I'm ready. The Every time they go to the place with the Soul Stone, it feels like it just stops the movie dead in its tracks. Um, Interesting. Yeah. I do disagree for this one. So for this one, the main reason for me is that it covered, except for a... like the really interesting fight that happened with spoiler alert, black widow dies. Well, we're in spoiler, spoiler I know, I know. city. y'all. It's just going to happen that I'm going to say that. <laughs> um, but like basically she and Hawkeye are fighting each other. So that way they can be the one to die. Uh, like Hawkeye shoots an exploding arrow at her just to knock her back so he can jump off the cliff. And she's like, you know, beating the crap out of him so that way she can be the one to jump off the cliff because they don't want to sacrifice the other one, which I thought was great. And because they kind of set up Hawkeye as an anti-hero in this movie, Mm -hmm. there was a part of me that wondered if Hawkeye was just going to be like, see ya, and push her off, you know? Uh, I had a a millisecond of that. uh But what's cool... What's cool about them is I, I love the moment when, she, when he looks at her and he's like basically like, this isn't, we're not in Kansas anymore, but he talked about Budapest. Mm-hmm. Of, the, of all of the Avengers, the two of them have the deepest history. Yeah. Um, and I really love Hawkeye's arc in this uh-huh. because he literally, he loses, he thinks he's lost all the Avengers. Yeah. He thinks he's lost everyone. Um, and he lost his family. Yeah. Which he went into hiding over. The, the cold open uh, for this movie with him and his family was great. Great. Yeah. Our theater lost their minds on that. Yeah. Um, so going back to what I was talking about with the Soul Stone, though. Yes, because I want to keep piggybacking off of that. Yeah. I think there's some things to unpack. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, is that, you know, in the first movie, it happened... And Thanos dropped Gamora off there, and it was the big dramatic music, and then it zoomed out, and then you saw her laying like laying lifeless on the ground there. It hit the same beats on this one. And to me, mm. I, it felt very deja vu-y to me. It didn't to me. Okay. Because this one got it right. Yeah. Yes, Infinity War, he dropped her, and she was just there. There was no blood. Again, Infinity War, my biggest <laughs> on it is it didn't, there was no consequence. 
in yeah. Infinity War. It really needed Endgame to give consequence, mm-hmm. which I was like, cop out. Um, so I, every time one of them tried to jump, I thought it was going to be that person to die. Uh huh. So when it was finally Black Widow, it got me. I was like, uh, I didn't, I thought it was going to be Hawkeye. Well, and maybe part of the problem was that was one of the spoilers on that page. No. Yeah. That person's the worst. They really are. Ugh, especially so, on a film production page. If you didn't listen to pregame, basically what happened is uh, on, the Atlanta, on the Atlanta film community page uh, on Facebook, um, a guy went on there Friday night and said two major spoilers. What uh, were the two major spoilers? Can I say both of them now? I mean, we've already seen the all movie. Right. All, all he said was Iron Man and Black Widow die in, in Endgame. Oh no, you knew that going into this? I didn't know if it was true or not, but I did. Now, I will, oh. I will say that I think it lessened the impact of Black Widow dying for me. It didn't lessen the impact of, uh, of Tony Stark. Now, well, maybe that's saying something about me that I'm not particularly proud of maybe that's a little bit of buried misogyny in there that i i identify more with the dude but well that's a misogyny you're a dude mm-hmm. that's not misogyny oh good <laughs> that's not misogyny no but also too with tony i actually got really nervous with him because mm-hmm. they set it up for someone because in this movie they've already set up um see thor restarts his heart at one point uh-huh. tony gets saved in this movie a few times yeah so they set it up like someone might do it. Yeah, that's then, true. So they set it up in a really great way. I think that ruined Black Widow for you. Maybe Because so. I really didn't know if it was going to be Hawkeye. And obviously everyone, Jordan did not tell me this. Um, in our Game of Thrones watch group, um, two of them knew and they were both really pissed. Um, yeah. And did not spoil it for anyone. So no, good because on them we're both. not garbage people. We're not garbage. You're garbage, Kimmy. You're just garbage, Kimmy. <laughs> um, I really didn't know. So, and so let's un- like take a second to unpack that because yeah. I have one more thing to say that I'm just generally displeased in the Avenger universe. Okay, let's say that and then let's move on to the cool stuff. Because there's lots of cool stuff. Yeah. And I have lots of questions. Mm-hmm. But... Um, there's some, again, I think it's so interesting that we knew what it took to get the soul stone. None of them did. And I didn't realize it until they both showed up. Yeah. Well, so that would have been, that was interesting. Like if, uh, if rocket and Thor had gone to the soul stone. Well, cause they would have been like, I mean, I like you, but yeah, it's like, what would have happened then? Um, the, the two of them had to go. Yeah. But it, it's so interesting that they were like, now what? Yeah. Well, I actually, at one point that they were going to both jump mm-hmm. at the, like together. They were going to Thelma and Louise it. That they were going to Thelma and Louise it. And they were both going to wake up in the pond. Interesting. I thought it was going to be some like moral high ground story. Boy, was I wrong. Yeah. Well, and you do know who the guardian of the soul stone is, right? I forgot. Uh, Red Skull from Captain America, the first Avenger. Oh. Yeah, he was the villain. So, so because in that movie, they uh, discover the Tesseract, which yes. we find out later is the Soul Stone, and he actually grabs it, but it's too much power for him, and it kills him. But in, but it basically sends him into where he has to be the guardian of the Soul Stone. That's right. Yeah. 
I now, think everyone's Darth Maul, so yeah. Who now, am I? it's it's not Hugo Weaving who played uh, Red right. Skull in the first Avenger. Right. Um, it's somebody else now because Hugo Weaving didn't want to come back. Well, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I I thought it was really interesting, um, because so this movie starts off again the the cold open with Hawkeye. To me, it it captured what I wanted to feel at the end of Infinity War. Mm-hmm. It captured that. And for maybe a lot of audiences, reminded you of the soul-sucking ending of Infinity War. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to be this, like, killing dude. <laughs> and I will say it was weird. He just murders this guy, and Black Widow's there being like, hey, buddy. Yeah, well... That was weird. I know I, she was. A, she's an assassin as well. Yeah, and she does mention how she doesn't judge people based upon their worst decisions. But he just killed that dude. Yeah. Like, she didn't even stop him. I think also, because they have that history, that she's so concerned about him. It's almost like a Captain America Bucky thing. Yeah. So I think, I think it's a parallel to that, because, because Bucky had killed a lot of people in his time as the Winter Soldier, and Captain America still wasn't willing to turn him into Tony Stark at the right. end of Civil War. But he fought him. Mm-hmm. Black Widow didn't stop him from killing that well, dude. But Captain America only fought him because Bucky was fighting. Captain America was was fighting because he was put in that situation. He wasn't attacking Bucky. Once, once know, he found out who, he, I know, who Bucky was. I know, but you're missing my point. Okay. My point is Black Widow let him kill that dude. Oh, all right. Yeah, I'm I'm jumping ahead to the bigger question on that. Yeah, Black Widow stood there and let him kill that dude. She let him kill him. And then was like, hey, buddy, it's okay. <laughs> no, it's not okay. <laughs> you murdered a dude. Like, I know you're going through some stuff. I get that. Wonder Bread and peanut butter. Ew. <laughs> I know. Whenever she made that sandwich, I was like, you know that girl doesn't eat that sandwich. I, I was just looking at her like, that's a woman who doesn't eat white bread. No. <laughs> so I just was like, this is a bunch of baloney. Like I thought it was just bull roar in that moment. And it took me out of it completely. Yes. The sentiment. Great. Fine. He just like that dude is still warm. He's not even cold and dead. He's warm and dead at his feet. When black widow comes and talks to him. Mm-hmm. That's crazy town. But now on the stuff that we liked. No. And one more. One more. Okay. Here's my problem with Marvel Avengers. And I saved it because Infinity War really needed Endgame mm-hmm. to make me... And again, I've already said it. Infinity War is better because of Endgame. Avengers sucks because they they don't follow their rules. They play it by a movie-by-movie basis. This is the only way they have survived 22 movies in the same universe. But it bothers me because they play it by a movie to movie basis on rules and they don't play it by a universe rules and it makes me bonkers. I think I might be knowing the one that you're talking about because you would ask me about it in the movie and I was like, well, I have a a theory. We'll talk about it later. You can talk about it right now. Are you finished saying what you want to say? I mean, this is just my overall rule. Okay. Because I know what you're talking about. I said, by the rules of this universe, Gamora is gone. And here's why... Because I wrote Gamora, five question marks. Yeah. Per Gananant. (laughs) 
here is why Gamora is still there. Yes. So the rules of the Infinity Stone or the Infinity Gauntlet uh, isn't that you snap your fingers and half the world will die. It is if you have all all the six stones, you shape reality how you see it. Correct. Thanos's reality was, well, I want half of all organic life in the universe to disappear. Right. Uh, when the Hulk snapped, his his way he wanted to change reality was, I want the snap to be undone. Correct. When Iron Man snapped his fingers, it was, I want the opposing army to bad disappear. Dudes. I want the bad guys to go away. By that time, Gamora was already fighting on the good side. She was fighting for Nebula. But Nebula was fighting on the good side. Right, but that doesn't mean Gamora had a change of heart yet. She did. The movie showed that she did. Oh, come on. Look, I don't really want to get into this type I know, of discussion. But, here, but that's on the thing, here, but... I, and I also don't like. I don't overall like the character of Gamora. I yeah. think she is very generic. I, and this is not to, uh, the first Guardians. She's great, mm-hmm. and then she just got generic green girl. They they love interested her, and I hate yeah. that. No, Gamora had a had a change of heart because of Nebula, and because she saw what Nebula the change that Nebula had done. That Nebula is on the right side. Gamora was fighting against Thanos at that point. And Avengers does not play by its own rules this one i'm gonna flat out disagree with you on because it does set that one up it was too easy well these are also comic book movies Uh uh-huh that was a reminder this movie had major consequences Mm -hmm. we see thor in manic depression Mm -hmm. and gamora's just allowed to change her mind and it did not matter well, what you have to remember too. So here's another thing to that point. Uh-huh. Uh, when they go back in time to, by the way, I loved whenever they went back to basically steal the stone out from Quill, and <laughs> you do. it was the alternate angle from the beginning of Guardians, and then they cut to him. He was just singing out loud, and you couldn't hear the music. <laughs> yeah, that was that funny. was great. Yeah, it was great. Um, but it was in 2014 basically at the beginning of guardians now if you remember in the first guardians gamora had already said that she was trying to get away from thanos because she was afraid of his power fair enough so at that point in history gamora was already not on thanos's side that's fair it's just it took so it took almost that whole first guardians movie for her to have that change that solidified change no she she started at the very beginning, even when she was trying to steal the... Uh, I'm saying very solidified change. Okay. I'm not saying, I don't like this dude, so I'm going to work with others. I'm going to play nice. She didn't play nice. And, uh, she, and then she has the person who she probably hates the most. Hates the most. And be like... I believe you because you said sisters. Well, but that was that was the thing that they had kind of set up too. Because even in the first Guardians, Gamora didn't want to be antagonistic with Nebula. Nebula just didn't give her an option. It just felt it just felt short. I can I can totally understand that. I do think there are explanations to how that works within the rules. Yes. though. you. I, I'm not saying you're wrong about in general they play their rules by, uh, on a movie by movie basis. Right, it makes me nuts. But this one I think does have seeds planted earlier on. 
And I'm not going to disagree. I just felt it was quick and cheap. And that bothered me because mm. Nebula really had to work hard. And so did Gamora. Mm. And it just felt like, well, you know, all that other crap we've done. It matters still. And it just, it didn't honor that hard work. Mm-hmm. So I think Gamora's gone. I don't think she's gone. I mean, no, of course she's not because we're. Well, no, they set it. They set it up that she's not gone because Quill is trying to search for her on the. And it didn't show up. Right. What I think is that. Uh, what I think. What that means is that because you know she saves Quill, and you know, attack like beats him up for basically trying to kiss her because she doesn't have that history with him yet. Uh, and then so I think what it is she's like well I did the right thing here. But I don't actually like this guy. I don't want to go with him now. So he's still pining over her, and she, I think they're going to set it up where she has to get to that point again. Yeah, I hope it's going to it's going to be like Furious Seven, where with uh, Vin Diesel and Michelle Rodriguez. Sure. Yeah. Ugh. Let's talk about cool things now. Yeah. Okay. What was Carol up to? So she's basically policing the entire rest of the universe. But does it still need policing or does it need helping? I think helping is the right word for that. Okay. Um, yeah. And from a story standpoint, I can like, cause I was with you. I was like, why isn't there more Captain Marvel in I this movie? I needed more. I wanted it to be Captain Marvel too. I would have been uh, totally on board. With I know. That. Maybe we should just rewatch Captain Marvel as soon as we can. Also fair. Um, from a story standpoint, they couldn't have her in the whole movie because she is the most powerful being in the universe yes. and it would have been too easy for them to fix everything. Yeah, it kind of made me think of Jessica Jones. The reason I don't watch Jessica Jones is because it was like, I get it, she's awesome. Yeah. I'm bored. Um, yeah, although it was really interesting when she did come back. Oh, dude, that the, that re- the reveal of her coming back. And just going through the ship, which was very, capt- like, a la Captain Marvel. Yeah. Um, it was also very uh, Last Jedi as well. Oh, yeah. But the fact that the ship stopped firing and then immediately turned up and started firing at one point, I just thought was great. And yeah. they'd set that up because they did something very similar in Captain Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. So we all were like, it's her. Yeah. Um, so that I, I really liked that. But I also liked that she wasn't, she was very, very strong and they wouldn't have made it without her. But she wasn't invincible. Right. as well which i thought was needed. she she didn't just come in and god from the machine everything yes yeah yes and i really liked that but um i, I liked her meeting peter parker for the first time i know hi peter parker yeah do you have something for me yeah, yeah. i really like the quality that brie larson gives her she's very she was human god how amazing is brie larson everywhere i know right I, yeah like like, it's almost unfair how good she is. It's not unfair. That girl has earned it. No, she, she, she has. deserved every minute. Yeah. Anybody who has studied acting, whew, you've earned your right. Yeah. Um, but she's right. And she's she shows up. Um, and I didn't like the haircut joke. Oh, I, what are you going to do? Have time for another haircut? And she's like, I'm placing the whole, like, universe. Yeah. Suck it. Like, it just, I, I I loved her response, but I was like, really, that's the joke we're going to make? Yeah. And it made me fearful we were had Ragnarok on our hands. Yeah. And I was like, don't do it. Whatever um, you do. Maybe it was, uh, maybe it was put in there to add a little bit of tension to it. <laughs> I don't know, but like, they never made fun of Hawkeye's mohawk. That's true. The internet did that. I know, it needed it, though. Although, honestly, I was there, I was like, yeah, 
kind of want to shave the sides of my head again. Don't do it. <laughs> it looked great, but you're very sensitive about your hair. Yeah, maybe so. Jordan has wonderful hair, but he makes choices that are awesome, but then he regrets it. Uh, anyway, uh, I, I don't believe I'll be shaving my head again, which you all have seen from the original Instagram posts. Yes, but it was a great haircut, but they didn't, they make, they didn't make fun. Like that, they, like you no, can't, I, I know what you mean. But, now, what I will say is I am glad that the only person they sexualized in this entire movie was Captain America. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. America's booty was right. Yeah. Which I thought was funny. Yeah. I mean, and again, Paul, Paul Rudd, Paul Rudd has the humor that I think, Paul Rudd as Ant-Man is as humorous as I think Guardians is trying to be now. Yes. I don't think Guardians has recaptured the lightning in the bottle, just in general. No. Which I have another question to unpack about that, but I agree, and I think, I mean, Paul Rudd is magic. The fact that the internet broke recently that Paul Rudd is 50 and looks like he did as uh, Mike from Friends, Mm -hmm. I think... It's already broken the internet here in aught 19. Um, so it, it was just really, it was fascinating to me and I thought it was, it was hilarious. So yeah. he was the right person to bring it up. All right. Let's talk about the most, before we go back into your questions yes. and my IMD being and stuff like that, let's talk about the biggest moment in the movie. Which one? The fight at the end. So <sighs> this is what I think Aquaman was trying to do. And couldn't do it. Yeah, which is a shame because we love James Wan on this show. We love James Wan, and the most successful part of that movie... Well, no, the most successful part was the chase. Uh, The chase and diving into the trench. Yeah. Yeah, but again, like we said on that episode... But the bubble battle. Yeah, Aquaman would have been a... like The thing that saved Aquaman is the fact that James Wan was making it. 100%. Um, Well, and I mean, Jason Momoa is also just great, and you want to watch him be cool and cool stuff. 100%. 100%. So this is where we need to start Game of thrones it. Yeah. So. We, yeah, we just came off of basically Game of Thrones' version of this. Right. So we, we, we've we witnessed um, Helm's Deep twice in 24 hours. Yes. So for those of you, um, you've already been forewarned, so don't come screaming at us. Game of Thrones, uh, season eight, um... The big battle. It's episode three of season eight. Episode three of season eight. Uh, So 803. Um, They have, it is the world versus the Night Walkers. Uh Uh-huh. And the Night King, which is Helm's Deep on steroids. And we watched it with our friends last night. I had a full ab workout. Uh, so we, we're at our friend's house, um, and they have a big projector. It's a really great place. They, they have a great screening room. It's a great screening room. And last night, Jake was like, Jess, why don't you sit on the couch? And I was like, listen, I know me, and I'm not going to be able to sit still. I, I sat on the floor. <laughs> you sat on a beanbag chair <laughs> next to the couch. Yes, and I proceeded to sit in that beach, beanbag chair for 10 minutes out of the hour and a half that mm-hmm. the, the, the episode was going. And then we go into today seeing the end game final battle after the most heroic reforming of Avengers Assemble. I mean, and I got goosebumps. I mean, our audience in our theater went crazy when everybody came back. And you see all the portals open, so you know Doctor Strange is back. Yeah. And what's great about Doctor Strange bringing everybody back is that they'd already set that up. Like, he knows what needs to be done. He's seen this future. 
And he's like, oh, things are going this way. Here we go. Yeah, I love how Peter Parker was like, and Doctor Strange was there, and he said we needed to come do these things. He said it's been five years, but I think it was only like five minutes. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I I really loved that. And I loved... I, I loved... Him finally getting a Tony Stark hug too, because that's a that's another part of Homecoming is that you know Peter like you don't know what happens to Uncle Ben t- in this Peter Parker. Okay, uh, Uncle Ben to this Peter Parker. I know what you uh, meant. Yeah, um, but like there's a moment in there where like you know he's in the back of a car with uh, Tony Stark and Tony reaches over mm-hmm. and he thinks giving him a hug. He's like, nope, not hugging you, just unlocking the door for you. Yes, that uh, was in the trailers. Yeah. And so, like, the whole time, he's, like, seeking approval from Tony from Tony Stark. Well, of course. Yeah, and the fact that he gets it in this one, I thought, was a nice moment. Yeah, and it, I liked that they let Peter Parker be Peter Parker. Yeah, I, I did, in the beginning of the movie, on this moment, too, uh, I like how the first thing he says when he meets everybody, he looks and he's like, I couldn't save the kid. I couldn't save the kid. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Which bothered me because of the end of Infinity, like, it, again, that's one of the places I felt really manipulated. Uh-huh. So I'm really, I will probably see Endgame again and feel more about that. Yeah. But I was like, my soul went, no! <laughs> In that moment, <laughs> I just, like wanted to like slap his hand and be like, no! Yeah. Um, but I loved that Peter Parker got to be Peter Parker and the fact that he was just like, wow, that's terrifying when he gets on with the Valkyrie and he's like, hello, Captain Marvel. Yeah. And when he's getting that hug, he's like, that feels good. They let him be this Spider-Man. They, they never, yeah, they never make him forget that he's still just a kid. He's just a kid. And when he goes back to high school after all of and this. he meets his best friend again. And everyone else goes just goes to high school. Yeah. But I love that it gave you that moment where you saw that he was like, I, I'm, what am I doing here? Like, who's he going to talk to? Yeah. Um, and the, 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 here's the parallel when he sees his, his best friend and when everyone comes back in these portals to the final battle, it, what was amazing to me, and I don't know how it happened. I don't know if it was just in the acting. I don't know what it was, but they all were still in the mentality where they disappeared. They all never left the battle. Yeah. They all died yeah. in this battle. They all died. And, and what we're realizing at this moment is that they knew it. Uh-huh. They all knew that they disappeared. And the fact that they came back still ready to battle was so informed and weighty in this moment. Yeah. Um, we talk about earned moments all the time. This was an earned moment. Yeah. And also I love that too. We talk. So whenever the Hulk tries to go get the time stone mm-hmm. from the, being, uh, the ancient one, the ancient one, the being, I don't know. Um, and whenever he goes in and she's like, but, or they are like, but you, you, like, if you take this, then a lot of my people are, are effed. Yeah. But then all of these beings show up with this power. And it just informed me, like, everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And it was. Like, that civilization was still there. Yeah. And came and 
it was just, but it was, it was very interesting coming off of Game of Thrones because you see the Dothraki race kind of disappear. Yeah. And you see men and women alike fighting in this battle for mankind and something that was really terrifying. Um, and they're very, they're different, definitely completely and utterly different battles. Yeah. But there's something to be said about putting everything you are and your race of people on the line for the human race Mm -hmm. and seeing two things that are just ultimately very human. And we think about where Captain America comes from, which is World, World War II, which is one of the, I would say, last times that we have been like, we are fighting for the human race. Mm-hmm. Right, if you really think about it, totally. And if I think of the most risky thing, it's fighting for the human race, not your country. You know, in the in in episode two of season eight of Game of Thrones, it's a, an entire you know episode where they're like, you know, yesterday I was like trying to kill you, yeah, but today I have to be your buddy. Mm-hmm. And Avengers, on the flip side, is we need to unify because the universe is very very big yeah and i just thought coming off of these two episodes that i just either it can be the most corny thing or it can be the most powerful thing to see every kind of being and especially here in 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 endgame it's from all over the universe yeah fighting for their right to live Mm -hmm. and freedom which is people say is you know American, but also I mean it is. I don't know. It's universal. Yeah, this is kind of like at the end of the movie Independence Day. Whenever it feel it feels very like you know rah rah America. Yeah, this is more like what I think that was trying to be. Well, and that's a movie made in the height of. America was really doing well at that point. Yeah. You know, we had a, a president that balanced the budget and all mm-hmm. sorts of other things. And he got in trouble for something that was you know, very we, silly in ta- retrospect. We've but. talked about some pretty controversial stuff on here. I don't know if I want to touch Bill Clinton with a 10 po- foot pole on no, this. No. And we're not going to sit here and say he's flawless. But Independence Day is a movie that was made when America was comfortable. Yeah. And these movies came um, after Our Weakest Point. Mm-hmm. The first time we were attacked on our homeland. Yeah. Or biggest time. Biggest time. Yeah. Uh, yeah Pearl Harbor. But, you know, Hawaii is not connected and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, wow, I could go really far deep. Don't, in, don't go too I, deep. I could go deep into satire right now, but. Uh, it might be lost. Yeah. It might be lost. We are being sat. We're being satirical right yes, now. Yes, we are being very satirical. But <laughs> these movies come after that. And I did mention World War Two was kind of the last time we've thought as a, as a world front. Yeah. No, you're, you're very right about that. And it never felt that scene to me didn't feel like, you know, and they did the whole Avengers assemble thing. I dug it though. Yeah. Well, well, and that's something I'd forgotten that they had been trying, they'd been teasing since the first Avengers movie, but they never actually said it. Cause that was the, that was the call in the comic books. Avengers assemble, you know? Yeah. Uh, and they finally did it here. And of course, you know, that was great. And, you know, like it's, it's fan service in the best possible way. 
But it was right. It, it was total. It was totally right. And what, what Chris I'm, Evans what, saying it was money. Yeah. What I'm saying though is that to me that didn't feel like a bunch of superheroes coming together. Like you're saying, it felt like everybody coming together. And I like the fact that they turned that little bay in New York to look like an alien landscape. I know. Because it no longer felt like you, they were fighting for New York. They were fighting for America. It's like, no, this is just where the battlefield is. This is where the battlefield is. Yeah. It could have been anywhere. Yeah. Which was on a soundstage. <laughs> I, I, thought it, I thought it was interesting the way that they treated, because when Thanos comes back, because it's the 2014 Thanos that comes to, uh, to now to get the Infinity Gauntlet. Or the new Infinity Gauntlet. Right. Um, I thought it was interesting how, like, you know, when Scarlet Witch went up to him and was just like, you know, you took everything from me. And he, she, he was like, I don't even know you. And it was just interesting that we were, we were seeing a different Thanos here, you know, because, like, whenever, whenever the fight with Thanos happens at the end of Infinity War, we're seeing a guy who, not trying to get into another argument, but has, as far as the movie tells us, sacrificed everything to accomplish this goal. And he... At that and po- he's doing it for the quote greater good. Yeah, and he, at that point he felt the weight on those decisions. Here he was just a guy who was like, "Oh, you mean I can get everything I want in one grasp? Yeah, let's go do it. Let's kill these people." Yeah. So, so it that made it feel more like a battle of good and evil, which I will say Agreed. as the, as the two movies together, I thought that was a great way for them to have their cake and eat it too, to introduce moral ambiguity, to you know, to not retro retroactively change anything about Thanos from the first movie. Yeah. But to also have it be like, oh no, now it's Lord of the Rings, you know? Right. Well, they upped the ante too, because he did it because he did it for the greater good. We need to get rid of half the population because we don't have enough food. I mean, Jacques Cousteau said that too. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and we talk about it all the time with natural selection, Uh right? So these are not new ideas. And in, in some form or fashion, we all believe that. Yeah. In some form or fashion. I'm not saying we're all here saying eradicate people. Yeah, we're we're not we're not advocating for genocide on date night at the movies. No. no, no. <laughs> not at all. What I'm saying is sometimes we've all said it, you know, the measles outbreak. Well, maybe we're just getting rid of the stupid. Right? I do not believe that. I was going to say let's let's try and tread lightly on this. Right. But I'm, what I'm trying to say is this is a universal thought whether you like to say it out loud or not. Mm-hmm. What got scary and Lord of the Rings like or, or Night King like, was when the 2014 Thanos shows up and goes, well, you know, I see that getting rid of half the population just left you all on the struggle bus. Uh huh. So I'll just create a new one that are grateful. Yeah. And that's evil. Yeah. Now I have to say, from a personal standpoint. The original thought is evil. Yeah. <laughs> we should just let people live and mm-hmm. make choices, and those choices have consequences, good or bad. That's undeniably evil. Yeah, well, and that and that version of Thanos was just like, oh, you're ungrateful. Well, I'm just going to kill you then, and then take away the population, and maybe then only grateful people will be around. Like, that's a, that's a really, you're right, that's a really chilling thing to hear, you know? That's real talk. And that is Thanos being an actual villain. Again, I love the fact that we have two different Thanoses in these two movies, you know? Yeah. Um, no, the end, the end battle was great. Uh, I thought everybody was used well. I did too. And when Tony looks at Doctor Strange and he says, one. Yeah. That could have been the cheesiest thing on the planet. Mm-hmm. But 
there's something about this beginning and ending with Tony Stark. And Tony Stark is brilliant. Yeah, can we talk and about his his play at the end? Because that's that, exactly what I'm going for. Good, yeah. Good. Because that choice, I mean, I love that the Hulk stands up. Yeah. Without the Hulk taking his stance. We wouldn't have gotten there. Right. But the Hulk we knew was likely, I mean, they set up that he was probably going to survive. Not, he's not going to get out scot-free, but he's going to survive. Tony putting that on, mm-hmm. we all knew what was going to happen. Yeah. But man, seeing Thanos disappear, I will say that it was such a, I had such an interesting feeling because here I am going, he should have never done that. That should have never happened. And then all these bad, you know, all the bad dudes get evaporated. And I was like, that's the right choice. Was it the right choice? Should, oh God. Like it just was so chilling mm-hmm. to see them, uh, to see every time someone disappeared, it was like, well, what I liked what they did whenever the bad guys started disappearing, because basically what happens, if you've already seen the movie, is that Thanos uh, snaps his fingers, but then realizes that Tony had swapped out, because they make the new Infinity Gauntlet out of Iron Man technology. Love it. Uh, and it's like nanotechnology, so like it can basically fit to whoever's wearing it. Right. And Thanos snaps his fingers, nothing happens. He looks, and he's wearing an Iron Man gauntlet. And Tony's sitting there having the power of the Infinity Stones kill him. And he looks at the camera and said, and I can't remember what the setup is, but he says, I'm Iron Man, and snaps his fingers. Whenever the bad guys are dissolving, before it gets to Thanos, because Thanos is, of course, the last one to dissolve. Right, movie magic. I liked how they made some of the bad guys look as confused and, like, almost victim-like, like they did the heroes at the end of Infinity exactly. War. Like, uh, I can't remember the main guy, but, like, the priest guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, how, like, he was, like, str- he was, like, looking down in bewilderment, and he actually reached out towards Thanos, then he disappeared. I know. It, and it really is like, yeah, you just saved the universe, but remember, you killed a bunch of people to do that. At a, at a great cost. Yeah. And I think that's what this movie did brilliantly, is taking lives is of great cost and it really makes the choice of the choices of the Avengers go a long way. Mm -hmm. And it really, I mean, I think about the big battles in this and it is for the universe Mm -hmm. and that's a really big battle. It's a big choice. Like Wakanda, they go to battle for the whole world yeah. at one point. And this is a nation that up until recently in their history had pretended to be the poorest nation in the world. Right. Just so that way they wouldn't have to deal with the rest of the world. Right. And then you have the the galaxy where Doctor Strange comes from come to battle. the Like, this was such... No matter what, a lot was lost. Yeah. And they really, at the end, even losing Thanos was like... It took my breath away. Yeah. Not that I was sad, no, but, but it was like, this was costly. But you had also just spent the entire last movie following Thanos' journey. And again, yeah. I still say Infinity War is brilliant that they were able to make the villain the main character. But they did the right thing in Endgame by making us battle the Thanos we didn't come to know. Right. Well, we did know the same Thanos, but they made it... 
Yeah. They it was, made him the not earned Thanos. It was still super villain Thanos at that point. Right. Because even at the end, he connected with Nebula and that was, bana- that was, ba- that was bananas. Yeah. Um, so your thoughts on Tony's death. So I kind of touched on this earlier. They set it up where I thought, oh, they're going to have Thor try to bring him back. Mm-hmm. You know, there's all this technology. Even after he got back from space and was like on death's door. They brought him back, and they couldn't. Yeah, because because he he it was really powerful, and you know, and we've said it ten thousand times, but there needed to be a really great consequence. Yeah, and losing Tony Stark, where it all started, was a big price. Yeah, um, slash his contract was up. Well, apparently. Everybody, pretty much everybody's contract was up by yes. this movie, and they all were still like, "No, I'm doing it." They were. I'm. I'm joking, but no, I also I, I, slash really mean it. <laughs> like, no, they I, were I know, all but over I'm, it. I'm. I'm saying I really appreciate that these people, and it can't be easy to sign your life away to a movie franchise like this. I mean, you know, gosh, th- there are a lot of actors who turn down these roles because they didn't want to be saddled with the franchise. I mean, think about any time I get on a run of a movie. Yeah. You don't even see me, much less being the face of it. Right. So what I'm saying is that I appreciate the fact that they had such a reverence to the fans and the story that yeah. they were willing to come back and at least give it one more. Yeah. Um, no, I thought Tony's death, again, it was a... If they were going to undo the consequence of Infinity War, this is the way to do it. Agreed. And they did it well, and I applaud them for killing off the face of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They had to. Um, they had to. I mean, I one of my biggest complaints after Infinity War was Cap and Stark are fine. Yeah. And that isn't how things go. No. So so we talked about like the three the three cornerstone characters slash movies of the Marvel Cinematic Universe were Tony Stark, Thor, and Captain America. Yes. Tony Stark is dead, and he is mourned by everybody. Everyone. Um, Which was kind of cool to see, like, the little families of universals. Exactly. That was kind of cool to see. Yeah. Um, Then uh, Thor is going to go hang out with the Guardians for a while. Oh. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens there. Um, And then uh, Captain America... Goes back in time to replace all the Infinity Stones to make sure that the space-time continuum essentially is still intact. Right. And while which I dug, yeah. And I, I first I was like, oh, are we not going to see that? And I thought it was just going to be like he's going to go and come back, mm-hmm. and or we, he wasn't going to come back at all. Yeah. I liked what they chose. Yeah, they they chose to let him. He willingly chose to go to go back into the forties. And stay with Peggy Carter and live out his life that he never got to live. Yeah. And I thought it was a wonderful ending. I did too. I thought, and that's something Alan Silvestri said. He said that he was so proud that he got to work on this because his first Marvel movie was Captain America. Oh, cool. So he got to be there when Captain America started and he got to be there at his goodbyes. Yeah. How do you feel about him handing his shield over? You know... I like that they didn't make the obvious choice and have it have him give it to Bucky. Yeah. But we haven't spent enough time with Falcon to really have me care as much. I mean, we we have ju- enough with Falcon to, you know, to see and care and and understand why. Mm-hmm. Um 
I don't know if I want more Captain America movie. No, I I mean... We'll, but now he's given it to Falcon, and now I'm curious, but I'm like, what? We'll, we'll see how that goes, and hopefully they'll get a filmmaker who can do something unique with it. As far as Steve Rogers' story, though, I am a thousand percent satisfied. Yes, as far as the Steve Rogers line, I loved it, and I love... Because when you think of Captain America, you think of something very selfless. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of... He's always about, do the right thing, do the right thing, do the right thing, yeah. Mr. America, blah, blah, blah. And it was really good that he went and just lived his life. Yeah. I I feel good about his ending. Now, too. we touched on Alan Silvestri. Yes. I also want to go, oh, can we do a quick circle back on Black Widow? Yes, we can. Um, other than I love that they were like, she was blonde, but of course she wouldn't be able to get to the hair salon. So she's going to have weird hair and yeah. I liked it. Um, her roots are showing. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, I was like, oh, I mean, that's actually a pretty happening hairstyle. I know, right? Um, I just thought it was such an interesting choice because if you think of Black Widow, we first meet her, like you said, in Iron Man 2 and she's this assassin and she's like this, you know, boss lady who is just kind of like secretly the most awesome Avenger, Mm -hmm. right? Because she's wholly human, right? She is wholly human and she doesn't, she's just awesome. Right. Right. And she's y'all black widow more than almost anybody really sacrificed herself for the hope. Yeah. Tony Stark did it. With the answer in front of him. Yeah. That, that's a Widow really good point. did it because it was her last chance. And of everyone, had, had, had already lost everything. Yeah. She died for Hail Mary. And that is brave. Yeah. Not to say that what anybody else did wasn't. Showing up is brave. Yeah. Showing up, showing up is, you what, 90% of life anyway? Yeah. But her choice, because she believed that Hawkeye would get his family back. Uh-huh. She had to believe. Yeah. That is something to say. And even though she was like literally in the same place as Gamora, the blood from her head, I almost didn't believe Gamora was dead. Yeah. I thought she was like, I'm all right. It's just a flesh wound. Black Widows felt m- far more concrete. I-, I hate that got spoiled for you. Yeah, I mean, it's fine though. Uh, I think wh- I, honestly, I think the next time I watch it, and there will be a second time, mm-hmm. uh, I think I'll probably feel more about it the way that you do now. Well, I th- yeah, I think you'll be able to be like, well, okay, yeah. let it go, um, instead of wondering. And, like, well, instead of waiting for it to happen. Right. Exactly. Um, um, but I just wanted to circle back to that because I felt like we touched on it because that scene, we obviously have a little slightly different views on that scene. Yeah. Um, but I just it her hers was a big choice. Yeah, no, I I think that I will end up circling around to the way that you feel on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't think I think that now I was waiting for it to happen or waiting to see if it would happen. And yeah, I understand. Uh, so I know that the next step we're going to take is talking about the music. Yeah, uh, we said it the other night. Uh, the best thing they did was bring Alan Silvestri back in the fold for these movies. Yeah. Now this is I think the most classic sounding Alan Silvestri score. Yes. Uh, cause, and it was more really diverse too. Cause there was a lot of like 
big band jazz stuff in there. Felt very Roger Rabbit to me. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of saxophone in places where you wouldn't expect saxophone. And I usually don't like the saxophone. I know you don't. Um, so I liked it there. But also there were definitely places where it felt very back to the future to me. Like not with the themes or anything, but just with the, w- with the way he orchestrated it. Like I think yeah. 10% of our listeners will catch on to what I'm talking about there. Uh, if not, you know, listen to Back to the Future and the Endgame scores back to back and tell me what you think. Yeah. Um, but no, I... But it was great though because that was the... That was the underlying joke throughout, mm-hmm. like the answers in Back to the Future. Yeah, yeah. I I think he he was in on the joke as much as anybody else, and I thought that was great. I agreed. Uh, also, if you don't follow him on Instagram, you really should because he's just like, a he posts some really interesting stuff. He owns a winery, and a That's lot of cool. a lot of his stuff is about his winery, uh, and about like you know hanging out with his grandkids and stuff like that. But he responds to people, and when he responds to people, like. Sometimes he'll show a picture of him like in a studio and people will be like, OMG, is that Endgame? And he'll just be like, no. (laughs) Like all lowercase and everything. (laughs) So like it's obviously like, you know, a 68 year old guy uh, using Instagram. But the fact that he's still like, no, I'm in it. I just love it. You know? Yeah, I agree. It it was needed. Um, And hearing his scores again, it was right. And I can and it's I don't know. The sound of Avengers to me is Alan Silvestri. Yeah, I don't even really like the second Avengers movie, uh, Age of Ultron, was Brian Tyler and Danny Elfman, both of whom I really like. But I cannot picture that score. Mm-mm. Uh, but you know the Avengers theme. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't honestly don't have too much more to say on that, except that I really, really like this one. I, I, think for, I think this was probably his best out of all the Avengers scores. And I really liked Infinity War's score. I agree. I mean, that... We both looked at each other and it was like the best part of Infinity War was the, the, was the score. Um, I think this this score, if you're ever wondering what the crap Jordan and I are talking about <laughs> as far as score goes, mm-hmm. this is your opportunity to allow yourself to listen to the score and it tells you how you're supposed to feel. Yeah, it does that without dumbing it down to you though. No, not remotely, but, and this movie is very clear in its narrative, but the score does a really good job of being like, this is scary. Yeah. This is risky. This is funny. Mm-hmm. Like, so for example, the fight between the two Captain Americas. Yeah. Is lighthearted music. Uh-huh. And it was and it was lighthearted because this this fight doesn't have the same weight as the other fights. Yeah. Um and I love new Captain American fighting the you know the old less jaded Captain America. Yeah. I loved that. But the music very in, it indicates that this this fight isn't as weighty as the other ones you're going to go through. Right. And the and so if you're ever wondering why we talk about why we do have it so much take so much time to talk about score, um, is for that reason very specifically. Um, and I really loved that this was a score heavy movie and not a soundtrack heavy movie. Yeah. I would have kicked something if it were. Because again, to make twenty two movies matter, we really needed to put some heft. Yeah, well, and I think they made the right choice. Well, and I like the fact that they didn't try and Guardians the soundtrack. I'm glad they didn't try to Guardians this movie. Yeah, because they surely they they Guardians Thor, mm-hmm. and I get where I you know I get in Ragnarok they started that that relationship so that the end of Endgame that Thor is now part of the Asgardians, but <laughs> yeah, um, so. 
we're not talking in circles, but we are going a little long. So it's time. It's time. No, no, no. We still no, no, because you still have questions to ask. I think I've answered. I think I've asked all of them. Can, we've can got- you double check? Yes, I have already deleted the note. Okay, because I've I've conquered it. Well, there are a couple of little things that I want to mention. Uh, IMD being then, uh, and there's not a whole lot of IMD being in this in this movie to be done. Like, you know, a lot of the stuff that's on IMDb is all about like you know production was shut down during the hurricane, which was my first week in Atlanta, actually. Um, yes, because they were double shooting uh, yeah. this. Um, another thing to mention too, um, Monique Ganderton was a stunt coordinator for this. Um, she has a long history um, in movies, and she was the assistant coordinator for, with Sam Hargrave. Mm-hmm. Sam for a long time. Sam Hargrave is Captain America's double. Has been for a long time. He's now the second unit director for this, mm-hmm. and his brother Daniel is one of the doubles for Cap. Um, yeah, and. She was the lady at the helm, and they were kind. The Endgame was kind of doubling up with Infinity War, mm-hmm. um, as far as a lot of these choices go. So um, they finished up in L.A., but they've been shooting these for a long, long time. Yeah, yeah. They they finished shooting this like two years ago, or almost. N- not quite. A, li- a little bit less gotcha. because Endgame had to go finish mocap in L.A. That's true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a lot of it was, are things like that. Not as interesting. Uh, there are a lot of Academy Award nominated and winning people in, in oh, this movie. Oh, a, a lot. Um, so a couple of things. First of all, uh, one of my fa- one of my favorite uh, cameos in this movie, or two two of them actually, were two Community actors, or like from the show Community. Oh, again from Anthony and Joe Russo. Uh, and they put references to TV shows they've worked on in their movies. Like, I don't know if you ever caught this, but a blue Tobias is actually in the collector's uh, collection yes. in Infinity War. Yeah. In uh, Infinity War? Yeah, or Infinity War. Oh, okay. I, th- uh, they, I thought it was another movie, but They yes. put the blue th- stair car in Civil War. That's right. Yes, um, yes, yes. But uh, they had the security guard who lets Ant-Man out of, out of the storage locker. Um, that's Ken Jeong. Was it? It okay. was. I couldn't tell. They heavily makeuped him. Yeah, so. and it was obviously a fake mustache too. Yes. Okay. Um, but yeah, that was Ken Jeong, who also who was also a main character on Community and was the uh, security guard for the college campus for a while there. Yes. Um, and then they also had Event Nicole Brown uh, in the 1970s sequence. She was the one That's who. That's right. Yeah, and you know she was Shirley on Community. She's also the host of Talking Dead now, uh, and she's just awesome. I loved seeing her on there. Um, in the, in Iron Man's funeral scene, there was one lonely kid. Yeah. I had to look that up. He was, he was the little Shane Black kid in Iron Man 3, who, who helped him rebuild the suit in uh, Tennessee. That's hysterical. Yeah. I would not have remembered that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh yeah, the guys from, uh. The guys from Community, uh, Anthony and Joe Russo, they they tend to put a lot of Community actors in their in cameos. Like uh, Danny Pudi, who played Abed on Community, uh, was in Winter Soldier, uh, and Jim Rash, who played the Dean on Community, who was also an Academy Award winning uh, screenwriter for The Descendants. I didn't uh, remember that. Yep, he looks like Moby. If you're wondering who yes. that is, uh, he was in Civil War. Uh, and then, you know, of course, Donald Glover was in Spider-Man Homecoming, um, but that wasn't them. A uh, couple of other things in here. Like I said, there's not a whole lot of just like, oh, my God, you're not going to believe this. Um, 
Let's see. I was surprised that Clark Gregg didn't show up in any, anywhere in here. Uh, is Agent Coulson? I know. I was just thinking if that's remarkable or not. Where it- I mean, it makes sense from a story standpoint, but the fact that there was a lot of... And I'm using fan service in the best possible way, but fan service in this movie, I was expecting that there to be a moment yeah, of Yeah, and I'm wondering why. Because he wasn't in Infinity War either. Yeah. Um, okay, so Captain America wields uh, Thor's hammer in this movie. I love that. Yeah, and in Age of Ultron, nobody was able to do that, even Captain America. But apparently Joss Whedon had said somewhere, he's like, well, my view on that scene is that Captain America actually could wield it, but he was trying not to hurt Thor's feelings. I believe that. Yeah, and then so whenever Thor's like, I knew it, whenever he picks it up, like, that's what that is. Which I, I loved that. I did too. And I loved the fact that Thor was so happy that somebody else could wield it. Yeah. Um... Yeah, there's not as much to go on this. One thing I was going to say, though, is another character death who we didn't even mention on here, but it's a, it's a death that is done and there's consequence to it. Vision. Yeah. Vision doesn't get brought back because Vision wasn't a, wasn't a result of the snap. Right. So I liked how, I mean, of course, I like Vision and I love Paul Bettany. Oh, yeah. Uh, which Paul Bettany... Uh, I, they're either married or, you know, they have, he has children with Jennifer Connelly. Jennifer Connelly is actually the voice of the AI in Spider-Man's suit in Homecoming. Now, he, oh. you don't hear the AI in this movie, no. but yeah, Jennifer Connelly uh, play, plays Karen the AI. I love it. Um, but yeah, no. I, well, Karen was brought up. Yeah. She, um, uh, Potts. She goes, Karen. Oh, she said Friday. Because that, oh, that's who said, took over for Jarvis. That's right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Vision is gone, and we miss Vision. Yeah, mm-hmm. but that wasn't in this movie. I knew that because he was D.E.D. at the end of Infinity War. Right, but it's one of those things where, you know, you expect there to be people brought back. and uh, I, I knew he wasn't. Like, I, didn't, I didn't think he would, but it's, but it's also something that they didn't explicitly say. Oh, I... So to me, I'm, I'm more bringing that up as in, like, I appreciate that that's just part of the world that they built. Yes, I would have lost my mind if they did. Now, because he was gone. Another person who I'm wondering about, though, and maybe Black Panther Two will uh, will answer this, but Lupita Nyong'o's character, because mm. she she didn't show up in Infinity War. She didn't show up here. They don't mention if she's a victim of the snap or not. So, I wonder if she was just busy doing other movies. I mean, that's probably that's probably the practical re- real world <laughs> version of it. But that makes me wonder. Are they going to mention that she died in between movies? I don't know. It all dep- that's definitely a Black Panther yeah. answer. I'm just looking forward to the answer for that. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. I can't even pretend I know. Yeah, I just I just noticed that she wasn't there, but uh, but again, Letitia Wright's just awesome. I know. Yeah. I mean, so is Denai Guerra. Oh. Of course, but like, Letitia Wright was kind of the MVP of Black Panther. I agree. Yeah. She's... She's smart and brave and strong all at the same time. One thing they uh, going into this movie, so I don't know if you saw the posters they released, um, but it, they're just character posters. Yes. And then the black and white ones are the people who have fallen or who were victims of the snap, and then the color ones are people who are still left alive. And the they never said what happened to Shuri uh, at the end of Infinity War, and so nobody knew what happened to Shuri until like two weeks before this movie came out, and they released her black and white poster. Oh. Mm-hmm. So seeing her come back was a big deal to a lot of people. That's cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's cool. Well, I think we're done. I think so. This was 
we spent a lot of time talking about things that stuck out to us. Overall, yes. I want I want to again say that I do I'm going to stick with it. I think this is one of the best Marvel movies they've made. I agree. I think well I think it's that good because of the homework that they've put in. Yeah, it is a mo- the good and the bad. Yeah, it's a movie that every movie has its flaws. Always. Um but this is a movie that did its homework that set out to appeal to the fans but they didn't sacrifice story for fan service. Exactly. I don't think there can be enough good things said about that. I agree. And I think overall it's a it's a success and we end every episode saying whether we should think people should see this movie. Absolutely. I think so too. I think that if you haven't invested in all of the movies, I still think you're okay. I definitely think you need to see at least Infinity War. You you need to see Infinity War, and you at least need to like go on YouTube and find like a catch up video on. Here's what you need to know going into this. Yes, and I have heard, um, even from those who had never seen a, a Marvel movie going into Infinity War, watching the. Here's what you need to know. They do make these very universal. Yeah. Now I will say it's kind of like reading a Wikipedia thing on it. It's like yeah, you can get the you can get how the story goes on it. But there is a lot of richness to these movies. Agreed. You know, not everyone is great. And we've, you know, if you listen to our pregame episode, you can hear the ones that we don't just love. Yeah. Uh, but I think these movies are worth experiencing. I think it's I, un- too. I think it's unfortunate that they're so permeated in the zeitgeist that a lot of people are just like, oh, I'm not going to go see a superhero movie. Well, here's what I'm hoping. With now that we've reached the end of our Avengers tale is that we're going to start going into different dimensions. And I mean that in the regard of now Black Panther can deal with Wakanda and things that have to deal directly with Wakanda. Yeah. We've got Captain Marvel, who goes to different universes. There are so many possibilities with her. So many possibilities. We've got. I hope s- they make a Captain Marvel movie every year. Not that we need to calm down, I'm, but I'm like, just kidding. But. Um, and we've got you know the new Spider Man, which people are really loving and connecting with. Um, I, as of me today, looking you in the face, I hope there's not Black Widow movies. That ship has sailed. If they wanted to do a Black Widow movie, they should have done it like seven years ago. I will forgive them for doing a Black Widow movie if it's like. If they don't retcon her dying, I ho- if they do it, it needs to be when S.H.I.E.L.D. was still S.H.I.E.L.D. I want to see her become Black Widow. Yeah. I want to see her in in Russia. Mm-hmm. And I want to see her as a little blonde girl, and I want it dubbed. Yeah. I can see that. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. make a Black Widow movie. Yeah. All right, well, I guess here's another thing then. Out of all of the superheroes who are left, who are the ones who you would be most excited about seeing standalone movies with? As of right now, it's it's Black Panther and Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. I I'm I will definitely go see the next Guardians movie. I hope that they I hope that they don't try so hard, Oof. Um, which I think is the problem with the Guardians characters right now. Yeah, uh, I am. I, I'm not again. I don't think I want a Hulk standalone movie, but I'm on board with Mark Ruffalo being in any one of these movies. Yeah, but I think Mark Ruffalo's tale as the Hulk. I don't know where else to go. One more quick IMDb. 
apparently whenever they were all sitting around, they were eating food, uh, and he was eating ice cream. That was his Ben and Jerry's flavor that was named after the Hulk. Oh, cute. That they mentioned in Infinity War. That's cute. Hulk a Hulk of burning fudge, I think it was. Something like that. Yeah. Um, but the Hulk reached finale, his like penultimate, I don't know. The Hulk found wholeness. Yeah. I, again, like if they do another Ant-Man movie and the Hulk is a character in there, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with the Hulk being present. Yeah, I don't want to see a Hulk standalone movie. No, because at this point, like I said, what other history have we not seen with the Hulk at this point? Yeah. Right? We've even seen him as a scientist deep in the jungle. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, we've seen a lot of the Hulk. Yeah. And his story. In, in, in origin story at this point. Yeah. And in, in many versions. But to see Mark Ruffalo literally live as the Hulk in harmony with himself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I didn't even think about it like that. That is a great arc for the Hulk. Yeah. Because he's no, he no longer has to be angry to be the Hulk. He can just be the Hulk. Yeah. Because that was what was so interesting about Infinity War. The Hulk kept going, no. Yeah. And he was like, what do you mean, no? Yeah. I need you, buddy. And they, he finds, he goes to some sort of talk therapy and, and finds answers. On the, the thing of therapy, though, one thing I want to say, when Captain America was leading the support group, yeah. the, the guy talking about the date, how they just mentioned that it was a guy, that this guy was gay, and they never talked about it. Uh, a, I love that they didn't make it a big deal because it should just be like this guy was just trying to go on a date. It doesn't matter if it's with a man or a woman. And the fact that Captain America, a guy from 1941, was so accepting of that, I think is something to be uh, clapped at. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. It was needed because, you know, for a very long time, being seen, people being seen in these movies, feeling that they're seen in these movies was tough. So, yeah, I think that was cool. I agree. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go on ahead and sign off then because this is a really long episode. Yes. And we could continue to talk. So if there's more things that you want to point out to us that we missed, don't think it's like we just glossed over it. It's just, this is a lot to unpack. There's no way to talk about this movie without spoilers. And there's no way to just like, if we did gloss over it again, it's just because there's like Jessica said, there's a lot to unpack. There's so much there. And honestly, I'm having fun talking about this. I'm having to force myself to stop talking about this right now. Yeah. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see it again. So please make sure, um, follow us on the socials. Um, we're getting more and more active on Twitter. Um, and therefore Instagram suffers, but we're only, we're a, we're a community of two. Yeah. If somebody wants to volunteer to be our social media manager, we will put you to work for free. Yeah. But that being said, we do love when you reach out to us and talk. Sorry, there was no dog of the podcast, but we've been down here for a very long time. They probably heard Madison barking. I think upstairs. so. There was mass chaos going on upstairs. We had our own end game upstairs, I think. Yeah. Um, but as always, thank you so much for joining us. Um, if you're listening to us all the way to here now, obviously you're a movie lover. So please, re- you know, reach out to us. We want to talk more of your points. And if there's something that we missed and you're like, you didn't talk about this, we probably want to talk to somebody about it, <laughs> to yeah. be honest. Um, but this was this was a wild, wild ride. And yeah, I'm so glad we took it. I'm so I'm so glad too. And I think uh, they they did they did it right. This one, we may go see this one again in theaters. If we have time. If we have time, yes. But like, I can see us wanting to do this one again. Yeah, I agree. So get your butts in theaters. 
continue making the movie uh, theater experience wonderful and take the date night pledge if you haven't seen our Instagram or IGTV the date night pledge is get your booty in a theater but also be super respectful and make it special for people clean up after yourselves Um, help making everyone else's date nights awesome and with that being said I think it's time to sign off it is I'm Jess I'm Jordan we'll see you next time (laughs) 